Father God, we declare there's nothing you can't do. That if you can turn a life around, if you can save a person from the depths of despair, from the darkest place, God, if you can save our souls, then there's nothing you can't do. So, Father God, we pray as we come around your word, you would open our hearts, you would open our minds. And we bring ourselves before you. Would you speak to us this morning? Break through barriers, break through boundaries, change agendas change perspectives and positions speak to us we pray and all God's people said amen. amen amen I want to welcome you into church just great morning so far really really great morning and just um, the things you talk about when you're getting changed um, which I won't I won't fill you in on but um, they're just really really excited just to have gone through that and thank you for being here thank you for being part of the the journey um, if I can ask a favor if that's all right on your tables on your tables so I'm back in school. Um, on your chairs, we've just put these, these update cards. Um, what I'd love you to do, just humor me. Um, could we ask you just to, to not now in, in this moment, but if you could just humor us and fill these in for us over, over the next week. We're just looking to just get our systems all up to date and make sure we've got everyone's details. We want to serve you the best way we can. The best way we can serve you is by knowing how to contact you. Um, and you, it may be that your phone number hasn't changed, your address hasn't changed, your date of birth hasn't changed. Fill it in anyway, because we might not have that. Because um, I know for some people, we don't know your birthday. Um, and if we, you know, we'd love to get you a birthday card. If you want to get you a birthday card, it helps to know when your birthday is. Um, so if you can just help us with that, just, just take this with you, fill it in, bring it back to us. It will really, really help us to help you uh, and to, to bring you forward. Um, I just want to ask, who loves going to new places? Who loves going to new places, uh, new cities? Um, I, I've, I've got this long dream to go to New York one day. I'd love to, love to go there. Um, but one thing I hate about going to new places is getting lost. I'm awful. When, one of my worst traits, actually, is when I, I'm lost. I am not a good person to be with when I'm lost. Um, and as I started thinking about this idea of new places, new cities, I started thinking about getting lost, and I thought how grateful I am for Satnav. And how grateful I am for signs, because sometimes if it didn't have a sign, if it didn't have a sat nav, I wouldn't know where to go. But you know what? Not all signs are good. So what I thought I'd do, I'd show you some of my favorite signs. So here's the first one. Sign not in use. Which, um, which I enjoyed that one. Um, if you want to go to Landry Dodd Wells, I think it's Landry, or Landry Major, sorry. Take your pick. Now, this next one I'm not sure about. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if someone was trying to kill two birds with one stone, but we'll put it up anyway. <laughs> uh, this next one is a great sign if you want to use a sign for effect. Um, and if you really want to know where a secret nuclear bunker is, there's the sign. (laughs) 
And this last one, I'll show you it. Now, this will, unless you're fluent, unless you're a Welsh speaker, this next one won't make any sense. But what happened is, is, is obviously, the, 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 the company that was building a road, they put a sign up and they, they sent uh, their, their text off to a translation service to go and get it brought back, because you know you can't trust Google Translate. So they sent it off to a translation service, and this is what came back. The problem is, this is what this says in Welsh. I'm out of the office. Please send any work to be translated to the translation team. <laughs> but I want to ask, because when we, when we talk about signs, when we talk about directions, it's all about exploring. It's all about finding uh, new places, exploring cities. And, and I wanted to kind of go on from that, because who's ever gone to a city, and, you, and you've gone, and you've had a look around, you've gone on holiday to a place, and then you've landed, and then you've just been scrolling through Google or scrolling through Facebook, and you found something that you could have done while you were away. <coughs> just me, then. You've kind of, you know, you've been to, I don't know, Benidorm, and you've seen, you, you've, been around, you've been around Benidorm, and suddenly you get home, and you, you're scrolling through Facebook, and your mate from college has been to Benidorm, and they've done something you totally missed. And you go, the, oh... And there's that, there's that feeling inside you think, you know what, I missed it. And there's always that nagging feeling there's something more, there's something more to do, there's something more to see. Can I tell you life is like that? That there's always this nag inside us, do you know what, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to see, there's got to be more to do, there's got to be more to experience. And, and just like being a, a tourist in a big city, if we don't know where we are, we don't know where we're going to go. And if we don't know where we are, we don't know where we're going to go next. And I want to tell you this morning, wherever you are with God, there's always a next place to go. There's always a next step. There's always something else you can go and do, something else you can go and see, something else you can go and experience. There's a path that will always take you deeper, always take you further, always take you higher into God. You know, just as Lila and Lyndon, they took their next steps this morning. Am I, am I squeaking? Is that right? Am I not squeaking? I feel like I'm squeaking up here. Maybe it's just these speakers. Um, and, and they took those next steps. They took those next steps. And there's a next step for all of us. And as a church, we believe that there's a path for us all. There's a process for us all to do. And we believe in, in our mission strapline. There are three steps to our mission that God wants us to have our hearts revived. He wants us to know him in an intimate, personal way. Then we get our hope restored, which is where we find, we find freedom from our past and we move forward. And once we're free, we can go and have our lives rebuilt. That means we discover who we are, who we are in God, what we're here for, and we go out and do it. And we go out and make an impact in the world. And wherever you are on that path, everyone's got a next step. Everyone's got another place to go. And kind of, I want to round up our vision series this morning by looking at this this final bit, if I, if I can in a moment, about rebuilding lives. But I want to take you back, if I can, to September. Because in September, we brought our vision messages, and we didn't talk about Ezra, which is our kind of vision verse, if you like. We talked in a, about a verse from Isaiah. And if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Isaiah 54. If you haven't got a Bible, don't be fun feel under any pressure. It is going to come up on the screen. But Isaiah 54... Was that, was that we felt the message to the church, it said this, enlarge the sight of your tent to make room for more children. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, don't spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes, make your pegs or your stakes firm in the ground. And we talked about what we felt was a time of preparation before, before that we were going into as a church, that so we had to prepare for new children. 
not just children as in under, under 11s, but, but, but people, new families, new people coming in that are actually God wants to prepare us for this influx of new people. God says, listen, I'll send the increase. You just get ready. And we really felt in September God was saying that. Do you know what? God's done it. God's doing it already, and I'm, I'm convinced that as we live higher, as we dig deeper into God's word, as we reach wider into our community, you know, Lila and Lyndon joined us just as we were bringing those messages. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think they just happened to walk in on that, that Sunday morning. I think God put them there because there's a journey that God's got us all for, and, 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 and they're not the only ones. And, and just as I was preparing for this, this message, it took me, God took me back to September, and I felt him say, do you know what? This is what I've been preparing you for. This. But I don't think this is done. And I think God is saying, listen, this is, this is just the start of kind of what you're making preparations for. Don't stop. Don't slow down. Get ready because more's coming. And I want to take you a little bit further today. Because a few verses down in this text in Isaiah 54, God says something else. And if you read it in the context, it's a, it's a prophetic message to the city. Um, some people see it as, as about kind of the new, new, new Jerusalem. But I think there's a, there's a message for us in, in what God wants to say to us. So if you look at verse 11, God says this, Oh, storm battered city. Now, if, you kind of, if we take city as a metaphor for us, for our lives, for who we are, Oh, storm battered city, troubled and desolate, I'll rebuild you. There's a promise there. I will rebuild you. Whatever state you're in, I'll rebuild you. And not just that, if you read the rest of the text, it's, I'm not just going to rebuild you. I'm going to make you better. I'm going to make you better than you were before. I'll rebuild you with precious jewels. Now, there's nothing special about the jewels, by the way. There's no power. There's no significance. There's nothing special about them other than that they're precious. And God says this isn't your precious to God. And I'm going to rebuild you with precious God. And I'm going to rebuild you with the best I've got available. He says this, I'll make your foundations from lapis lazuli. Now, I, I don't know what they are. I had to Google them, I'll be honest. And the closest I could get to was sapphires. And it says this, that the sapphires, they're used for the foundation. Now, normally, if you're a builder, what do you use for foundation? The cheap stuff. You use the cheap stuff to make the foundations. But th thanks, Jane. I love that kind of degree in engineering there. That's brilliant. <laughs> But you, was it Leonore? Sorry, Leonore. Sorry, I apologize. But no, if you build a new building, you use the cheap stuff. Because you can have it in bulk, you just shove it under the ground and it's done. But God says this, I'm going to make your foundations from sapphires. I'm going to make your foundations precious. And God gives you a precious foundation. It says this in 1 Peter, come to Christ, who is the living cornerstone he's the foundation of God's temple he was rejected by the people but he's precious to God and now God's building you as living stones God's building you with a precious foundation the foundation of Jesus he's building us into the people he's called us to be Isaiah goes on he says I'm going to make your towers uh, of rubies uh, again the stones aren't important but he says this the the, the, the towers are about perspective because when you, when you stand in a tower, it's all about perspective. And God's saying your perspective is going to be beautiful. Your perspective is going to be incredible. Your perspective on yourself, your perspective on others, your perspective on the world, your perspective on life, your perspective on money, your perspective on relationships, your perspective on your job, your perspective on your relationships. God's going to make all of that beautiful because he's going to raise your perspective because we're going to live higher. It says this, your gates will be made of shining gems. And again, I, was, I did some digging into this. And it said this, it says these are either red gemstones 
or carbuncles. Now, I thought a carbuncle was a boil. And I kind of, why is God saying I'm going to make your gates out of boils? But when I looked into it, carbuncle is, is really fascinating because it's a, it's a gemstone and it's blood red. It's deep, 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 literally blood red. And it's interesting, God says, okay, your gates are going to be red. Your gates are going to be blood red. Do you know what? It's an allusion to Christ's blood. That when God rebuilds us, everything we allow into our lives, actually, you know, gates allow things in and out. When God rebuilds us, actually, everything we allow into our lives has to come through the filter of Christ's blood. Everything that goes out of us has to come through the filter of Christ's blood. When troubles or pain, uh, unkind words, whatever it is, comes to attack us, it has to go through the filter of Christ's blood. Paul says this, you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So whatever you have to deal with, you can deal with it knowing Christ is close to you. You can deal with it knowing Jesus has already defeated anything you might come up against. So so when you speak out, when you go to work, when you go to the shops, everything that comes out of you comes out as a response to Christ's blood. You with me? Then it says this, your walls will be made of precious stones. Some translations say borders. or uh, So this is all about boundaries. Your boundaries will be precious. Actually, your boundaries will be better. Who's had rubbish boundaries before? And it says this, your boundaries will be better. Your boundaries will get stronger. What, what you allow yourself to get close to or what you allow close to you. When, when you get tempted to do something that's not right, actually you stop a little bit earlier because your boundaries are better. They're built up better than they were before. When God rebuilds you, he strengthens that in you. And I want you to notice that none of these stones, none of these you can get in Jerusalem. You can't get any of those stones. They're not native stones to Jerusalem. You can't even get them in Israel. You can't get them. You cannot mine them. You can't do anything. You actually have to import them. So so what does that mean? It means they can't do it themselves. What does it mean for us? We can't do it ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. You were never intended to rebuild your own life. But it was always God's intention to do that in you and for you. 1 Peter 1 in the message says this, what a God we have. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and we have everything to live for. Because of what God did. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. And that process that we talked about, revive hearts, restore hope, rebuild lives, it's actually all through the Bible. We, we, we talked about this um, earlier on. In Colossians, Paul says this, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's saying, I pray that you'll see it. I pray that you'll see it. And our prayer for you is we pray that you'll see it. That you'll see the things you can't see yet, the places you could go that you haven't seen yet. You'd have a revelation of what God wants to do in your life. Why? So you'll know him better. So you'll know God better. That word in the Greek is the Greek word ginosko. It means intimate. Actually, it's the language of lovers. You'd have an intimate, deep knowledge of God, not just in your heart, but in your head. And and the first step on your spiritual journey is God says, I want to know you. 
and I want you to know me. Don't just come in, sing songs, read a book and go out again, but, but come into relationship. God's not interested in religion, but he loves relationship. And what God would, would ask is, it, is for an intimate, personal, up-close relationship. And when you know him, Paul says this, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. And you might be thinking, hang on, my eyes are in my head, not in my heart. God, didn't you do biology? But what Paul is saying is, is no, your eyes are on your heart because what happens is we see things, we, we look at things in our life, and the way we look at things, we always look at things through the way things have worked up to us to this point. So how you see things is always influenced by your past. I don't know if you know that. How you see something, how you see a situation is always influenced by your past. It's always influenced by a problem that you may have had or a problem that you've got at the moment. It may be always influenced by other people. And, and everything is filtered through those three things. And it's kind of like a filter on your heart and it determines how you act. So you see it and the filter on your heart kicks in. And Paul says, no, 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 you've got to get rid of that. You've got to get rid of that. And it doesn't disqualify you from heaven, by the way, but it makes the journey harder. And one way of saying it is you can't see your future if your eyes are gunked up with your past. You can't see your tomorrow if your eyes are gunked up with your yesterday. You can't see what the potentials are if you end up focusing on the wrong thing. You can't see the needs and the opportunities in our community because you're focused on the wrong thing. You can't see the future because you're focused on the past. You can't see hope because you're focused on disappointment. You can't see the peace because you're focused on the chaos. And Jesus would say this morning, open your eyes. I pray that you would see it, that there is hope, there is peace, there is freedom, there's a future, there's a promise, there's a purpose, there's joy, and we see it when we get the eyes of our heart opened. And that starts with having our heart revived, that we, we were never intended to live our life held back by habits, addictions, worries, or, or anything kind of defined by our past. God says in his word, I want to free you from all that. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the so God's vision for our life was to live a full life it was to live a fulfilled life free from our past free from any guilt any shame anything that actually might hold us back and it's in that place of freedom that's when we, we discover who we are and the best way to do that can I tell you it's in a house group the best way to do that is in a small group of people where you connect to a group of people who say, okay, I'm going to do life with you. I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to help you grow. James says this, confess your sins. Now, he doesn't say confess your sins to God. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. We want to help you get into a small group of people so that you can, you know, you can open up to people you can trust. And can I promise you, they're not going to go, ooh, Really? The chances are they're going to go, oh, you too. I thought I was the only one. God's plan for us is to do life in small groups, is to do life together in communities. His plan for us is to get over our addictions, our habits, our hurts. That, you know, that part of your life that you knew, if it wasn't part of your life, your life would be better. A bit like Arsenal. But that, that thing in your life where you think, do you know what, if that wasn't in my life, if that habit, if that addiction, if that thing I just keep going, if that wasn't there, my life would be whole better. God's saying, I, I want to help you get rid of that, and I want you to do it in community. Do it with people. Do it with the people 
around you. And you may need something more specific. And there's, there's pastoral care streams that we, we can help you with. We can signpost you to, to courses and, and specialists if there are things that are a little bit deeper, counselors. But we, we want to help you with that to help you find freedom. And, and for some people, that's your next step, is to, to actually let me get my heart healed. I just want to get myself right. But you can't do that unless you know God. And once you know God, then you can get your heart enlightened. It says this, that you can get that in order that you might know the hope to which he's called you. You've got a calling. There's a calling on your life. There's a, everyone in this room has a calling on your life, but you can't see your calling if you're still looking behind you, if you're still looking through a block filter. And when you get rid of that, you'll see God has a plan for your life. Can I tell you, hope is always connected to calling. That when you, you, the greatest hope you have is when you know why you're here. The people who sleep better at night are the ones who go to bed knowing they made a difference. The people who go to bed happier at night are the people who go to bed knowing they've done something for someone else that's made a difference in their life. Can I tell you, there's, there's, there's something in that, you know, when we gave and it made a difference, when we served and it made a difference, when we blessed someone and it made a difference. There's, there's secular scientists, not, not religious scientists, not Christian scientists, secular scientists, sociologists, they, they've studied this and they discovered the happiest people in the world, this is a scientific study, the people who go to bed knowing they made a difference. And this is a direct quote, they said, the highest level of living is knowing that what you do made a difference in the life of someone else. That's not the Bible. That's that secular sociologists have said that the, 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 the happiest people are the people who've made a difference in other people's lives. Actually, there's another study that says when you're generous, there's endorphins in your body that get released, and it makes you feel better. God did that. God put things in your body that, that, that your whole body is affected when, you, when you're generous. But you can't do that unless you know your place in it. And you can't do that. You won't know your place until you see it. And you won't see it unless you know God and have a relationship with him. And that's why our vision statement is in the order it's in. It's revive hearts first. Get your heart right with God. Restore hope. Get free of your past. Get free of your, your problems, your issues, anything that's holding you back. And then rebuild lives. Discover why you're here and go and do it. And go and change lives as you do but you can't do that unless you've done the first step. And I, I, and I keep coming back to this because you can't find that freedom unless you know God. And if you don't know God, some of you, some of you know this because you've tried it. But it says, it says this, Jesus said this, who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's only Jesus can do it. What I love about Lila and Lyndon's story is they've got that revelation that only Jesus could do it. It was only Jesus that could set them free. We call that having your heart revived. When you discover it's only Jesus. So, so why revive hearts? The definition of revival is when something comes back to life. Why hearts? Well, in the Bible, God says that he planted eternity in the human heart. There's something of God planted in our hearts. There always has been. It's always been there. And the Bible teaches us that actually the, the, there's so much sin in the world, there's so much bad stuff in the world that the spiritual uh, life in us, it, it died. Ephesians said this, once you were dead, not, not physically, you weren't physically dead, but spiritually you were dead. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires 
and inclinations of our sinful nature, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. See, God didn't focus on our mistakes. He didn't focus on our sins. He didn't focus on kind of when we went our own way. He actually focused on us. He chose to, to kind of look beyond what we did and look at who we are. We sang it this morning. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Paul says this, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. We didn't earn it. We haven't done anything to deserve it or buy it, but it's because of his grace. Because of that grace, he made us right in his sight. Do you know what? We were in a mess. And Jesus came and saved us. In his mercy, he wiped out every wrong thing we ever did, every wrong thing we ever thought uh, or, or, or done. And, and it's interesting noticing that in that sort of, because I have this conversation so many times with so many people, that we think we've got to be made right to get saved. We think we've got to be good to get to God. But I love what Paul says this. He says that while we were still sinners, that God demonstrates his own love for us. He didn't just tell you he loves you. He showed you. He sent Jesus to die on a cross for everything you or, or I did. And notice it wasn't after we asked for forgiveness, but actually while we were still sinners. Now, don't be offended by the word sinners. It just means that you were going the wrong way. But it says this, while we were sinners, while we were still doing it, while we were still going in the wrong direction, God sent Jesus. Can I assure you, you don't have to be good to be saved. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people back to life. That's what he came to do. And I, I want to ask you this morning again, maybe it's the first time or maybe it could be the hundredth time. You can always pray this prayer and say, God, revive my heart. God, do a work in my life. And that's the first step on that spiritual journey, that God wants you to know the peace that's found in relationship with him. David says this, that in his presence is fullness of joy. That when you know God's presence, you understand the joy that comes with it. When you're in relationship with God, you get access to his presence. And in that presence, you get peace, you get joy, you get hope, you get goodness, you get mercy, you get everything. And you might be thinking, okay, well, what have I got to do? Nothing. There's the good news. Nothing. You don't actually have to do anything. It's, it's already been done. All, all that has to happen in your heart is you say yes. But if you want that, that, that new, abundant, joy-filled life, you just say yes. And you, have that, and you start that journey of having your heart revived, your hope restored, and your life rebuilt. I invite the band back up as we, we kind of draw to a close. But I just want to ask uh, very, very quickly if anyone's ever heard of something called the monkey trap. And it's something that the, the name kind of gives it away. It's something that indigenous people use to trap monkeys. Um, but what it is is a, is a, is a hollowed-out coconut. And they take this coconut and they would, they would hollow it out and then they would have a, a hole in it. And in the hole, inside the coconut, they would drop uh, treats or, or, or something for the monkey they're trying to catch. And what would happen is the hole is big enough for the monkey to get his hand in. But when he grabs what he's trying to grab out, the hole's not big enough for him to get his hand back out again. Now, that monkey's got a choice. 
He can either hold on to that thing that he's trying to get to and be trapped, or he can let go and he can be free. Can I tell you it's the same for us? That sometimes to be free, actually the choice is to let go. And I want to suggest that there might be people here this morning that actually you just need to let go. That you'd let go of what you're holding on to and I I promise you, you'll find freedom. Maybe it's a control thing, you know. I I want to be in control of my own life. I want to be in control of, of, of... where I go and, 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 and what I do. I, I want to do it my own way. And, and, and kind of you realize you're missing something. Like when you've gone around a city without a tour guide and you've seen bits, but you haven't seen it all. Can I tell you, you can find it by just letting go and opening your heart to God. And maybe you don't know God this morning or Maybe you've come in and, and you're just feeling far from God and, and you, you, you know this morning you've, you've heard Lila and Lyndon's stories. You've, you've, you've been in the worship and something inside you stirred and you just said, you know what, it's time. It's time to let go. Can I tell you it's time? And if that's you and, and, and in your heart you're saying, okay, I, I'm ready, it's my time. We're going to do this really, really gently, but I just love everyone to close their eyes. And I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a really simple prayer, but it's a powerful one. And it's a prayer where you just say yes. Where you just say, I I choose to let go. God, I give you the map. I choose to follow your direction. I put my life in your hands. So if you're ready to pray that prayer, I'd love you to pray this with me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. For paying for my sin. Today I receive what you did for me. And I give you my life. Come and live inside me. Come and change me. Make me the person you've called me to be. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died and rose again. I put my faith in you. I receive the gift of your spirit to guide me. God, take me places I've never been before. Show me things I've never seen before. Give me a joy I've never felt before. Give me a hope I've never felt before. Show me a love I've never felt before. God, in this moment, I say yes. And for the rest of us here, God, would you rebuild us? Give us greater perspective that we'd see things through your eyes. God, would you guard our gates that anything that might come to attack us would have to go through your blood. 
that as we speak, as we work, as we walk, everything that comes out of us goes through the filter of your blood. God, strengthen our boundaries that we would stand firm and love well. But God, we can't do it alone. We need you. It's not our power. It's not our strength. It's not our ability. It's not our talent. It's Jesus. So rebuild us, we pray. Why don't we stand together? The band are going to lead us. And I just want you to take the words of this song that just say, it's not me, but it's Christ in me. So whatever you go into today, whatever you go into this week, you don't go into it in your own strength, in your own ability, but with Christ in you, Christ who rebuilds you, is rebuilding you. Let's sing together.